back to the Forge cast. My name is Alex Norton. And I'm Ellen Durkin of Iron Maiden Forge. That's right. We've got a wonderful guest on the program today. But first, a moment to thank our sponsor. And the Forge cast is brought to you thanks to Weber Abrasives, the place to go in Australia to get all of your abrasive needs met. Visit abrasives.on.net today to browse their range and get in touch. And of course, Nordic Edge, knife making supplier extraordinaire. Be sure to visit nordicedge.com.au to stock up on all their wonderful knife making deliciousness today. So thank you so much for coming onto the show today, Alan. It's an awesome treat to have you here. Yeah, you're welcome. Once we figured out our time zone issues. Yeah, it's it's um, <laughs> I I live on a tiny little island south of Australia, between Australia and Antarctica, and everybody else on the planet is just either super ahead of me or super behind me. I'm just in this no man's land, and yeah, things fall in the cracks. Yeah, I flew to Australia once, and it was a nine thousand hour flight, and I was mm-hmm. like, honestly, this is this is terrible. <laughs> that Sydney to LA is a is a is a beast of a flight. Yeah, I was like, hmm. Mm. No, I need to fly first class, but I'm too poor to fly that class. So. <laughs> it would be nicer to do it that way. I was in I was in the the scrubbers section, and um, I'm a big guy at six five, and trying to squeeze into those seats between people and everything for what is about. Yeah, I'm not even that big, and I was like, basically, they're like, here's the toilet section. You go in the toilet. I'm like, I don't want to be in the toilet for like 13 <laughs> hours, and then 15 hours, and then like lay over some random place for another. Tonight's in flight meal is chili. <laughs> Oh my god, it's terrible. I really do think they fed us that. I'm not even joking. Probably would. It, it all sort of it. It all it all looks like that anyway. Plain food. So the people who um, know the name of Iron Maiden Forge would associate you um, for very good reason with some amazing wearable forged art, both cold and hot forged art. Um, but for people who are not familiar with your work, do you want to give a bit of a rundown of who you are and and where you're coming from? So I'm Ellen Durkin, and I live in Wilmington, Delaware, in the United States, and I make wearable forged fashion. So I create uh, forged pieces that go on the body, and um, they are assembled in multiple pieces and usually attached with, like, leather lacing and, like, different other uh, attachments so I can get it on and off the body fairly easily without killing too many people. Mm Mm-hmm. And then I do performance runway shows with those pieces, and I show them in galleries and make no money, but whatever, you know. The life of an artist, really. Yeah, you know. Yeah, everybody wants to see your stuff, but nobody wants to pay for it. (laughs) Yeah, basically. But I like doing the wearable pieces, and I like doing the photo shoots and the runway shows. Kind of my direction in life right now. Yeah. All right. So, well, we the, start the, our shows with uh, basically going through, running through what we've been doing during the week with our work. Um, and then we will uh, say the, the our song of the week. I'm pretty sure you've uh, been prepped on having something that you've been listening to, um, letting us know. We've been building a playlist over the last couple of years of doing the show, and it's the most eclectic playlist on the planet um, of just all the things that people listen to while they work. 
Yeah, I threatened uh, to find something really obnoxious from like a children's show, but I didn't. I didn't do that. It's like the Teletubbies <laughs> theme or Lamb yeah. Chop's uh, song that never oh, yeah. ends. <laughs> <laughs> it's my favorite song again. Bye bye. Oh, it's great. Just just makes the creative juices stuff. <laughs> Reading Rainbow. <laughs> well, this week I've been working on a uh, really special slip joint folder for uh, the guest we had on last week, actually, Anthony C- uh, Carroll, who is also from Delaware, funnily enough. Um, Delaware. Uh, didn't you say you're from Delaware? Yeah, that's weird. Delaware's yeah. like one inch big. Yeah, I know. It's this little strip south of New York, isn't it? Yeah. No yeah. Where it is. Well, <laughs> kind of know where it is. But... Kind of south and a bit to the west. <laughs> yeah, it's not very relevant. Yeah, but um, no, he's he's a... Um, we had him on as a guest. Fascinating guest to have on the show because not only is he a blacksmith, he is a physiotherapist and he um, works with trying to keep the body fit while and healthy while forging. Um, but yeah, he's commissioned a slip joint from me and a slip joint folding knife. And I've been basically working on that all week, uh, but also doing a bit of a wildlands hunter inspired by the work of master Smith, David Lish, uh, and getting some practice in with a new toy I got for my workshop, which is, uh, for my Fordham rotary tool, I got a hammer attachment that is basically a tiny little jackhammer, which allows you to, um, sort of peen over metal and texture surfaces and things. It's, it's a wonderful tool, but it takes a surprising amount of practice to get good with. So um, I've been doing that this week. And my song of the week is, um, it's actually an artist, one of those artists that's really hard to narrow down to one song if you're only going to bring up one song from them, but it's Elton John, and the song is I'm Still Standing. It's, oh, uh, that's uh, funny. <laughs> I have a song that's on like a similar wavelength. Oh, right. <laughs> It's it's a great song. Must be uh, like the apocalypse mood setting. That must be. Must we're be. All like, we're went, not dead yet. Not dead quite yet, but circling the drain, I like to call it. Yeah. Yeah. That's where we're at. So what have you been up to this week? Uh well I had to do a demonstration, a little workshop in North Carolina, so I was getting ready for that. Is that the uh, stuff you've been doing with Big Blue? Yeah, that's I did down at their place so i like mm. got to play around on their hammers which was super nice and then i was like now i want one but also yeah. i need more than three dollars so um <laughs> and it wasn't gonna like fit in the overhead compartment and i couldn't steal it really easily not with that attitude it. yeah <laughs> i mean it's a little bigger than me they might notice it on the plane i don't know what you're saying um but yeah i was prepping for that and and it's like a thousand degrees here now. So when I look out and it's like real feel a hundred and six, I'm like, hmm, love it. I've heard that that heat wave that's rolling across America at the moment. It sounds terrible. People are dying from it. Yeah, that's why when I look at the weather and it says like you know post apocalyptic heat wave, don't go forging. I was like, maybe I don't feel like being in fire today yeah <laughs> cold work copper today that's what <laughs> i was like the excessive vomiting is not desirable right now maybe <laughs> maybe later maybe later yep yeah right so um what what has been the this what what's this similar wavelength song oh uh sia alive <clears throat> right yeah that is it is on the similar wavelength they actually we're actually putting two coherent songs together on the Forgecast playlist, listeners. That's crazy. Insane. Never happened. It's usually like, you know, we've got sea shanties next to tangos next to <laughs> uh, 80s pop, and it's just 
it's crazy. <laughs> yeah, there were other things, but this song came up a couple of times, and I was like, yeah, and I was like, mm, maybe, uh, that's probably it. Does music play a big part in your work process? Uh, I like to listen to different music. I like to listen to, like, chill stuff now. I'm, like, out mm-hmm. of my heavy metal shit because cause life is difficult and I don't really need to be yelled at by my music as well. But when yeah, I'm sometimes younger, you I need that angry playlist and sometimes you really don't. Yeah, no, I need, like, some, like, chill shit after um, 2020 and 2019 being, like, a whole new... A whole new world of excitement. <laughs> mm-hmm. You need to just chill out to some Enya. Just reset the vibes. Yeah. I did, like, two <laughs> big shows at the end of 2019, right before the apocalypse. So, like, I got, like, I got my big shows in, and then the universe imploded. And I was like, yeah, at least I did my shit before then. That's right. <laughs> you did better than <laughs> most of us. <laughs> right. So, um... We have a tradition when we have guests on the show. Um, every person who works with steel has their special anvil. The one that is their favorite to work on. It's maybe got a story behind it. What What is it that you're working on? What's What's your What's your best anvil, your favorite anvil? Well, I only have one. I have a penning house, like 165-pound one. It's the double horn. So then I get to nice. walk into the horn from, like, both sides, which is fun. Yeah. Um, was it square and round or double yeah, round? Yeah, yeah. It's like equal opportunity to get like a good stab stab when you're trying to like rush around the shop unnecessarily. Just when the bruises are all one shape, you get to have yeah, some. Yeah, nip and they're all the one. same height too. They're like right <laughs> in the thigh. And I'm like, that's good. good yeah. Is it um, have any special history behind it or anything like that? Uh, I bought it when I started blacksmithing. I got a grant and then I spent like, I think most of the grant on the. And well, and then I was like, "Well, that was a chunk of money. I guess I'm committed to this blacksmith stuff now." Yeah. Turn back. Yeah. Once you just start getting equipment that's like too heavy to do anything with, you're like, "Oh, guess I'm stuck doing blacksmithing. This was a bad decision. My bad." Now you're iron off a power hammer from Big Blue. I know. I've got like a 2,500 pound uh, table in there too, like one of the the giant heavy one so i just stare at it and i'm like oh god it's gonna be a bitch to that's there now yeah <laughs> yeah so i can't just like up and leave and be like bye leaving delaware was built around the table it was it was yeah, there before basically. yeah yeah and i think i can like move heavy things sometimes like i try and like shove things and i'm like just can't i'm like no too small can't move it yeah well bigger hammer that's what you need yeah most things in life can be fixed with a hammer if you if you can't fix it it's not a big enough hammer <laughs> Maybe I just need to be a taller person. <laughs> that could also be helpful. So I've got a double part question for you here. A, did you bring the potato on the show? And B, please tell our listeners the story of the potato. I have the potato. It's just it's in my purse, which is down there. But I can <laughs> right. get it. Yeah. I can I can go get the potato. This is the person we really wanted for the interview. Know, what is the, no what is the story of the potato? the potato? Need to, uh, for the listeners that don't know, we actually, she has a potato that wears a bikini that she actually takes and uh, it's, it's traveled quite far and wide and, um, and been on present in a lot of the locations where Ellen has been. And if you follow her, uh, her Instagram account, she actually yeah, um, posts a lot of photos. Yeah. <laughs> 
There it is. It's corset now. Oh, it's got a corset on at the moment. It has a bikini, see? Yep. Oh, I, I'll tell you what, in the photos, I always assumed it was a real potato and That's you just kept getting right. like a fresh one now and paint. Now you have the secret. <laughs> You're getting an exclusive I, right here, folks. Yeah, it just started as like a joke. Like my best friend gave it to me and it like lived in my purse. And then I started taking it with me and like taking pictures with it. And then Instagram now once the potato and now i don't matter now the potato matters everyone's like ellen get the fuck out of here where's that potato (laughs) that is a that's extremely convincing looking potato i don't know whether or not it's just because i'm seeing it through like small screens all the time i've taken it out on the airplane and people are like is that a potato (laughs) (laughs) no we, we love the potato does it have a name it's just, just potato, but there's potato like uh, logos and stuff now yeah. that are on shirts that that you, you get merch. Purchase. Yeah, there's merch. There's potato merch. <laughs> when is when is potato getting um, its own forged wearable? Uh, well, there's a little anvil that's potato size that I have as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Everything in my life escalates to like a whole other level of ridiculousness, and I'm like, God, I'm anymore well anybody who's listened to me talk for more than five minutes knows that I, i'm a firm believer in the necessity of whimsy um if yeah. you can't have a bit of whimsy in your life you're not living well you also won't survive very long as a blacksmith or an artist if you don't have some sort of like fucked up sense of humor about life because like there's no way you're going to be able to dodge the things that come at you and oh yeah through anything like, if, if you need, like, a system of, like, like here, this is how things work. Like, this is not the thing for you. Because, like, when you're like, this is what the plan is. And then the plan is like, and the plan has changed. We don't know what the plan is. But it's changing. I've been um, teaching my wife knife making. She wanted to learn knife making. She's getting quite good at it. But she's very quickly realizing that about 70% of knife making is just learning how to sort of make the best of fuck-ups. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just like constant correction and blacksmithing is yeah, yeah. very much the same. It's exactly the same. And Some people just same. walk out and they're able to just say, I'm forging this. And then they just cleanly forge it. And it's like, are you a superhuman? What's going on? What other part of your life is falling apart that allows yeah, you to do yeah. this? <laughs> I like to have all of my life fall apart. So consistency is key. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So... Of those sort of weird challenges that can come up, do you have a particular project that stands out in your mind that was an absolute nightmare? Um, besides, like, doing commission work for people that are a pain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we both um, felt that pain. Yeah. Uh, I think everything I do has its own challenges, and then when I start a project, I try and, like, step it up each time, so I'll do... I'll pick, like, a technique or something I haven't done before that I'm not particularly good at or familiar with, and then I will, like, attack it in the most, like, back-ass way possible. So I'll see things, and I'll, like, incorporate different metal techniques. So I'll work in, like, copper with, like, chasing repose. I'll do, like, pierce work. I'll do, like, different techniques that I see on, like, other people's work. I'm like, oh, that's a really cool little, like, detail. I like it. Like, so just picking like different things that I like and then trying them and then 
trying to reproduce them and then also hating myself in the process being like why would I do this and anytime I plan a runway show like it's a lot of work so I have like I have to organize like models and hair and makeup and, and the venue and like eight oh, it's a whole production yeah. it's a whole production and I don't have funding and stuff for it like or I have like three dollars in funding where someone's like here's a roll of duct tape that we have sponsored you and I'm like thanks cool I'll which translates into a, a requirement for extreme creativity yeah yeah so like i ended up doing hair and makeup for my shows based on the fact that like i didn't have money to hire like hair and makeup mm. so because uh, that's the thing that a lot pushed of me, like in a whole different like now like like i can do like hair and makeup and stuff like pretty like well crazy hair and makeup don't ask me to do it for like your wedding or like normal things or like a blowout or something because like i can't make you look normal but i can glue things to your face and make it look cool but, um, <laughs> you do that on a t-shirt <laughs> yeah <laughs> so um I've, I've known anybody that looks at your your profile you should follow her listeners at home if you're on instagram check out iron maiden forge are you on facebook as well i think you are yeah actually. i'm on facebook yeah. but there's not like Instagram's more trendy but it is. It's much more trendy. And there's more people on it as well. But, I mean, it, I, I highly recommend looking at the, the work because it sort of defies verbal description. It's the sort of thing you really want to see um, because you could just keep looking at it. The more you look at it, the more detail you see. Uh, and the more sort of moments, if you are a maker yourself, more moments of looking at it and then going, how, how, how did she do that? <laughs> Sometimes I look at things, I'm like, what was I, insane? That was crazy. Why would I do that? But then I got into, I really like doing these, like, pieces that open. So, like, little hinges that open. So, like, that face piece that I have that's, like, Chasing Repousse. Uh, it's got the Chasing Repousse copper face. And then it's got, like, the Chasing Repousse metal that's, like, pierce work on top. And then, like, the neck is, like, leather and copper. So, like... Mm. I get like little ideas in my head. And I was like, how can I make it more complicated? And I'm like, I should add hinges and things should open and close. And I was like, that was that. Uh, but like, that's the direction that I want to go is a little bit more, um, I don't know, dynamic, I guess, with the pieces. Yeah. I mean, I, I get a bit of a. I get a little bit of a window into some of the challenges because my, my wife's a seamstress and quite a good one. Uh, and the way she goes about the technical difficulty of laying things out to fit around something as complex as the human it's body. It's really complicated. It's exceptionally complicated. And the more complex the garment gets, it's not linear in how much more complicated yeah. it gets. It and, just and gets exponentially. For women, women, like women shapes, they're like, you're all compound curves. Like, it's yeah. just like, there's like, you don't realize that you're like, okay there's a lot of compound curves in your body because like you're not flat. So would you say there's a particular uh, body part that is difficult to work with? I mean, your whole torso is kind of difficult to work with getting things that fit mm. like on your ribs and everything is complicated. Um, your neck, like getting things that fit around your neck is complicated because there's so mm -hmm. many little details in there. Um, and a certain requirement for freedom of movement at the same time. Yeah, or making things just, I don't know, making it fit a certain way. So, like, I've done a couple collar things, and, like, um, like the last one I did was that copper collar, which is, we shot underwater, which was super cool. Yeah. Which was a lot of drowning. So, like, the one thing the that you should definitely that you got do, in that were amazing. Oh, yeah. I was in the water, I was like, ah, and then <laughs> my friend, who's also shooting, we're both in the water, like, ah, ah, <laughs> 
I regret everything. Yeah, you're trying to go underwater, but like look graceful, but you like are kind of half like, you know, camp. Eh. You're sinking. You're like, uh. <laughs> <laughs> I you're imagine the weight of that pulling you down. Like, yeah. Uh, pull, pulling you down from the weight as well, because I imagine some of these garments get pretty heavy. Uh, yeah. The, some of the skirts are pretty heavy, so when I do the runway shows, I usually pick some the like women I've worked with before, like more seasoned women that have like that know what they're getting into. Because like a lot of people want to volunteer and wear it, which is amazing, and I love it. And people are really mm-hmm. excited. Like people really want to wear it. Like, it's crazy. Like, I don't have to be like, oh my God, I need models for something. Like, people are just like, yeah, put it on me. And they get really excited. But also, well, it's have to so be unique. That, like, what? It's so unique. I can see why. Well, it's also like they get in these pieces and then like, there's like a weird part of their personality that like, was almost hidden and they get in the work and they just become like, huh, yeah, fight me. I'm such a badass. <laughs> and there's like this. Like, they're like Iron Man. Yeah, they're totally, like, there's, like, a little personality, like, boost shift of, like, excitement, where it's, like, they're ready to, like, go into battle. It's, like, you amped them up. And, like, I've seen it with a lot of different women. And it's, like, uh, like, the last show that we did, we had women from the ages of 14 to 72. So the runway show had, like, a, I think we had, like, 15, 16 women. It was a age range. So they started out with the 14 year old and then the age range went up as the models came out and I partnered with a friend of mine who did fabric pieces and I'd been wanting to do something like that for a while. And uh, I don't think the audience really knew what was happening. So when I do performance pieces, they're not like runway show. It's not about like them coming out on the runway being like, Hey, buy my stuff. Check me out back. Get Uh a discount. Like I'm not trying to sell anybody anything. Like I'm not like, Hey, you should get a metal corset. Because everyone's getting metal courses this spring of 2022. That's yeah. right. It's so in right now. Yeah, just get in the tub and rust your titties. It's fine. Like, whatever. <laughs> everyone's doing it. Like, I'm not trying to sell you, like, shit. So it's just uh, putting on a performance that's more like going to a concert. When you leave a concert, you're like, oh, that was cool. I liked it. Like, I was really present or whatever. But I imagine that. Model, it's, like, it is more. It, it's funny you say that people get sort of like in that Iron Man-y sort of mode when they're, they're wearing the stuff because what you do is so much closer to armoring than to sort of iron, normal iron work. So is it, is it all sort of like dishing stumps and dollies and, and sort of repose work and things or is there more of an element of the um, traditional forging as well? Uh, both. I do a lot of forging, like traditional forging. And when I do my forging, what I'll do is like a lot of my skirt skirts are in separate panels so i'll have like different shape panels i'll have like uh i don't know like six panels and each panel will be or identical maybe the front panel is different so i'm forging a lot of like the same form so it's a repetition of me forging the same shapes the same way that you would forge anything like a gate or whatever if you have a gate you're going to have like some balance of symmetry somewhere in the gate like probably mm. you're not throwing a thousand different techniques at it but, like, it's the same thing with the body stuff. So I pick a part of the body stuff. I'm making a skirt. I start with the rough shape that I want, and then I break that down to separate panels. And then I design the panels uh, pretty similarly. Like I said, the front panel might be more ornate or have something, but I also have to consider balance. So, like, I, if I make one side excessively heavy than the other, when she's in it, it's going to tilt. 
Like she's going to start walking in circles. Yeah, she's going to go in circles and it's just going to be like that. But like the weight shift is real. So when you're walking upstairs in these things, when you once you lift like the one leg, you're like, Ugh. oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So there's a weight balance thing, which you like realize once you're in them, because I've walked down flights of stairs and I mean, I've also gotten stuck in a doorway once because I was like running and I like close hang myself in the door frame. I was like, Hugh. I was like, well, lucky you're kind of. You've got an inbuilt roll cage, really, if you fall down the stairs. Oh, yeah. You're just, you're dying. I had one model pass out really early on in my work. Uh, no, what, from I, the weight? I, she was in, like, this big uh, stationary, like, metal dress cage, and I made these 24-inch cast iron shoes that she was, like, Oof. awkwardly laced in, and, like, I was in grad school, and it was, like, my earlier work, which was not very structurally sound, and, um... And we didn't do a trial run because, like, now I do trial runs with people. I was just like, yeah, it's fine. What what could possibly happen? I have a naked woman inside this piece and a bunch of other naked people inside pieces. Uh, worst case scenario, I don't know, we impale somebody. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's wild. Do you have a, a one that you've done that just every, you loved everything about it? Or is there a certain amount of pain that just goes with doing this particular field? Um, there's always pain that goes with doing everything, but like there's pieces that I like when I make a piece, I'm like, oh yeah, I still really like that piece. There's pieces that I don't care as much about after I'm done. And there's ones that I like, like the face piece I did. I still like that. I really like, um, I like the ideas behind it. I think there's a lot of power to it. And, um, yeah. on the, on the runway and stuff, I think it's a powerful piece. So. Got a good statement with it. Yeah. Yeah, and then, like, I like when different people wear it because, like, it connects with them differently than, like, everyone wearing the pieces connects differently. So when I put people in work, I ask them, like, hey, what do you want to wear or what what pieces do you like? Like, so, like, what are you drawn to? And then I work from there. So I don't put people in something they're not comfortable with that they don't like feel secure in or, or like powerful. Mm. Um, so it's important for me to put the right people in the right pieces and not have them feel like insecure, even though they're really vulnerable. So they're trusting me with their, they're trusting me with their vulnerability, which is cool because not only that with runway shows, but with photo shoots. So people are trusting me and they're trusting my photographer that we're yeah. going to, like, represent everything, like... Absolutely. Like, we're we're going to represent them. So it's not just about putting, like, a hot girl in a piece. Like, it's about representing them in in the pieces. Yeah, they're not just a coat sense. hanger to rest it on. There. Yeah, there's, like, a, I want to represent them. So everyone I work with, I don't... Like, I design, like, hair and makeup around them or, like, their experiences or whatever it is that I'm kind of drawn to. Yeah. I mean, that's where the true art comes from, really, because if you're making a an outfit like that, only, it's only 70% of an outfit, really, that that final 30% comes in the form of who's wearing it. Yeah, which is why it's super important for me to have the, the pieces be seen on people. Like, mm. that's what, like, like, making the pieces cool, I like it, it's, it's fine like seeing it on like a mannequin it's like fine but then like the real cool part is getting it on people and seeing like them. seeing it move yeah seeing it move seeing how they move in it seeing how they represent it because it reads completely differently on on everybody and yeah 
I like photographing people in the pieces because you can see like they're excited about being in them. Like it sounds yeah. weird, but they're actually like pretty excited about it. It's sort of come alive because I mean, it's the right, the right outfit can make you feel like a million bucks, and when exactly. that outfit is I mean. made like, of like, yeah, steel, I feel great, and like yeah. you realize that you're like, oh well, maybe I'm mostly naked, maybe my ass is out a little bit. I don't even care. Like, <laughs> like, like I said, I don't really work with like model models necessarily. I just work with like regular, regular women and moms and like regular people. That don't often like, get that much empowerment in their lives. Yeah, but everyone's got issues. Everyone has, like, body issues. Like, everyone yeah, does. Everyone. Like, people that you don't think have body issues, they have body issues. And, they like, certainly it's a do. big thing. So, it's nice to be able to, like, work with different people. And they're like, oh, crap, I didn't know I could look like that. I'm like, yeah. Yeah, you can. Yeah. <laughs> <Fuck> yeah. <laughs> and uh, you don't really get much of a sense um, on the, the Instagram of your internal structure that you get on these pieces that fit to the body. Do you have much trouble fitting them between different people? Because some of those outfits look like they would have had to have been hammered around the person they fit so well. Um, since I started adding leather to different sections, it makes it easier. So earlier work, what I was doing is I was trying to make it all out of steel and then I was trying to make it all one piece. So like the boobs would be attached to the, the like the corset part. And then I was like, I really quickly realized that like I can't do that because like everyone's torsos are different. And if I want this to fit different people, I need to make the top separate from this part. And then I was like, okay, if I if I continue doing this, I need to add leather. Things need to be adjustable in places. Where does the body need to move? So I had to be really aware of like where the body um where it moves, where it bends, and like where things pinch. Yeah. Like it was just a learning curve because I don't have a background in in fashion or like pattern making and stuff. Like recently I started to get into like pattern making and like corset stuff. So I'm like, oh and god, this would have been it's helpful a deep like rabbit 10 hole years too. Ago. Yeah. But uh yeah, I just came in things really backwards. Like I didn't have any formal blacksmith training. I have a master's degree in art, so I came in from the art side of things. Mm. Um and my design skills have always been kind of higher because I've been drawing. Like, drawing is, like, my foundation, and I do a lot, a lot of drawing. Yeah. So now I can sync up my, like, my forging skills and with my drawing skills, which is, like, a cool place to be where I'm like, all right, we can push this, but we're also, like, we're not creating, like, completely shitty work. So I'm like... We're not intentionally creating shitty work. So I'm like, all right, good. As long as we're not like intentionally creating shitty work, we're accidentally making shitty work, and that's fine. You just have to identify what's shitty, and then we move on from that. That's kind of sort of like a, a art is really a reductive process. To start with a block of shit and then refine it until it's not. Yeah, like my ideas were always really big. I had big ideas, and I was trying to like put these ideas in a material that I didn't know how to use early on. And now I understand the material and now I can make it. So like when I forge, I see it as mostly just like drawing in metal. So I like to be able to take the material and make it fat and skinny and like switch planes and stuff. And I think that's really like, uh, it comes from like, I guess like how I like to draw, like your line weight. So like my pieces are kind of like a visual line weight. They're just heavy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Do you have a, um, something that you're like really looking forward to trying in the future, but maybe is too big of a, a, a bugbear at the moment and you're, you're building up um, to, or. Yeah. I have some more like, I guess like kinetic-y pieces. Ah, cool. 
have in my head or like interactive maybe I have these ideas where I want to fill these like I guess like vessel things with sand and then have them on these skirts and have it kind of like bleed out almost like but yeah. it's just like it's been floating around my head I've been doing sketches on it so start moving into do... sort of a steampunky realm and mechanized outfits yeah, not steampunky as much. More like, well, I'm not like mechanically inclined enough for like steampunky. I'll do like some hinges and stuff, but I'm not gonna. I can't. My brain's not um, big enough to do like full Iron Man outfits. <laughs> do you have? Yeah. Um, I'm thinking of this one piece that um, I, I I recommend the listeners look up on your Instagram. It blew me away. It was this, I believe it was a like a cuirass for the front of the chest that had a copper inlaid uh, repose heart in the center of it that riveted into the steel outer. Um, oh. And yeah, it, I have a copper heart that is um, going to be part of a piece. And then I got real, here's an example of me being real psychotic. Um, so I did the heart, which is going to go in like the, like almost the belly of the piece. And then right. I did a chasing rep with a brass hand to hinge over top of the heart. So no way. Yeah. So cool. Got a little bit crazy. So, um, I made the, the heart piece a couple years ago and I didn't want to shove it into the wrong piece. Mm-hmm. So it's been sitting Especially there. Especially with the amount of detail in it. Yeah. And I just didn't feel like I had the right piece for it. And in, the heart piece ended up being incorporated in like um, one of my really big drawings and stuff. I have a big drawing behind me. Oh, yeah. Viewers cannot see it. No. It's great. I just take my word for it. <laughs> I can show you. <laughs> it's big. But um, yeah, I do a lot of like eight foot tall drawings by like four and a half foot wide. So they're big. But the heart piece ended up being incorporated into the drawing. So like the metalwork in the drawings kind of like bounce back and forth with ideas so Mm -hmm. in like the drawings you can see like gothic architecture and stuff and different tenons and um just like the influence of metalwork is in there but the heart piece had to sit for a couple years and then i recently did the brass hand over top so like it's Mm -hmm. it's evolving i just work on like a couple things at the same time but i don't feel the need to shove things into the wrong pieces so if like a piece needs to sit for a little bit, then I just kind of like let it let it breathe. Well, we've been I mean, just from describing some of your work, I mean, we've been hearing about you working with steel, working with copper, working with leather, working with brass. Do you have a, a favorite material to work with? Um, I like steel. I would like to get into aluminum too. I don't really have any experience with aluminum, but aluminum would allow me to um forge like larger things that wouldn't be as heavy yeah so yeah. i'll probably like at some point go on like a war path of that but like plus I like you can anodize it to have different colors as well yeah i just like that steel's durable and i can throw it around and it, it's fine because like when i load up my car for things i was like throw 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 <laughs> throw and then everyone's like people are like being real careful with it i'm like Ugh, slam slam and i'm like oh god I kind of have this mental image of like one of your outfits fully assembled with a seatbelt over it in the passenger <laughs> seat. Like, <laughs> I've definitely seatbelted things in the car. I was like, oh, that might break. But um, 
it's all stacked. Like all the pieces have to come apart and stack inside of each other. So like when I design them, I can't keep them like as just one giant ass piece. Like it, I need to think about where things are going to bolt together and how it's going to come apart. And then also like how the leather, la- the leather and the lacing is going to come apart and like how someone is going to get inside of it. In, yeah. Like, a semi non-psychotic way possibly yeah. do you ever have to like rivet people inside things and bust them out afterwards or is everything designed to come off everything cleanly? comes apart i haven't the only time that we had to get somebody out of things quickly was when the one girl passed out mm. and, then, and then now my friend just passed out again too that was like years later right but it was like a thousand degrees and we were shooting in like a, a like an abandoned asylum and, and metal just out. traps body heat like crazy. Yeah, but it was bad because she was in a metal corset. So, like, I tried to grab her in the metal corset, but the metal corset just stayed put, but she kind of, like, slid, like, half through. And I was like, oh, <laughs> oh no. <laughs> my bad. And I'm like, remember that time I almost killed you, and now we're best friends? <laughs> <laughs> That's all that everybody starts out with um, weird stories like that sort of thing, and yeah. you know that's what, that that's what that's what makes for good friends. Died. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we t- we talk a lot about um, influences on this show, and um, when we have a guest on, we like to uh, bring up you, you know focus on who influences you. Like where 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 does your inspiration come from? Um. Well a lot of different like things and techniques at this point so like i said i do a lot of drawing i didn't get into fashion stuff till till i got into blacksmithing mm-hmm. so like once i got into blacksmith stuff i was building these wearable pieces so i started like um paying attention to designers like alexander mcqueen and uh, other designers that i completely destroy their names so i'm just not going to even try um, there are some creative names in that field yeah i'm like i, I don't <laughs> <laughs> but i went to a couple exhibitions that were like i guess like high fashion exhibitions at the met and the moma possibly and i was mm-hmm. like blown away and i'm like not impressed by like anything i'm usually like yeah whatever i'm bored um but like those were probably like the, actually my ipad sitting on my mcqueen book right now <laughs> <laughs> but uh it was like those things i was like really genuinely like crazy impressed and the way it was represented like each piece had its own like setting around it and each piece had its own space and i thought that was really beautiful and not only did he have like obviously like a like an actual wearable line but he did a lot of performance pieces that were just like ahead of things Mm. um that were just strictly performance and I'd done a couple like regular person runway shows enough to enough for me to know that that's not what I want. That's not what I like. I don't like I said earlier, I'm not trying to sell you anything. Um, So like the performance aspect about it was super appealing. I was like, oh, wow, that's really powerful. Um, But I'm like, he also has eight million people working for him. And it's just me and my dumb ass trying to do things. (laughs) But I like to push the boundaries between like what we're doing with like the underwater photography, like my friend Joe shoots the underwater stuff. So I'm always trying to keep an eye out for like how to how to push things into the next level. So whether I see different blacksmithing, forging things on like different people's work, I'm like, wow, that's cool. I really like that technique. So there's a lot of different things that like I end up like grabbing from, whether it's patterns from architecture or someone else's actual metalwork. 
Yeah. It's just kind of like pulling pieces of things together and then smushing them around in my insane brain and then hoping that something makes Sticks. sense. Yeah. <laughs> Usually at like three in the morning, I'm like, these are good ideas. And I'm like, no, we need to sleep now. Do you have like a system of keeping a notepad next to the bed or something? Do the things come to you? At no, odd, odd I mean, times it's mostly just like anxiety at three in the morning where I'm like, I gotta do things. And I'm like, no, it's three in the morning, Ellen. We're not doing pretty, things. Just pretty so normal know. person stuff then. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I'm not like waking up at three in the morning. I have an amazing idea. I'm such a genius. I'm going to go to bed now. I feel so much better. I'm going to wake up smart. Like, <laughs> yeah. I keep reading books that say that that's supposed to happen. But it's never happened to me. <laughs> no, I, I have loads of sketchbooks and drawings and stuff, and, and nothing is organized. Mm-hmm. Like, I love so people sort of that are just like, wing in it. yeah, I love people that are like, have sketchbooks and the dates are in them. And I'm like, ah, I'm on her upside down and backwards. And this is, I lost it for 10 years and then I found it again. And now there's empty pages. So now we're back in this sketchbook. Artists like to make fun of this sort of thing about themselves. But the, the truth is a sort of an idea wafts its way into your brain one day. And it just, it's basically just tapping you going, hey, hey, make me. Make me. Yeah. I need to and be there's made. Also, there's <laughs> repetition of things that are going to show up in your work. So like things that you might not have realized from like your earlier work that you have been repeating. If you pay attention to like what you're doing, like techniques or, or um, ideas or, or whatever it is that you're doing, there's something that's been like consistently following you. If you regularly create work. It's almost like survival of the fittest, isn't it? The good ideas stick around and evolve. Into yeah, it. well, there's things that you're working out. So I think the ideas that you're not done working out are still coming back in your pieces if you're paying attention and you're actually making work for art. Not like if you're like, oh, yeah, I do commission work and I actually make money like a normal person. But if you're like an artist person, you're just like, I just make things because I like to be poor all the time. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like those ideas that they're going to come back and you're going to realize it later you're gonna be like oh shit this goes back to these early pieces where i was trying to get these concepts out but they just weren't fully developed so i think for me it takes um just like a lot of like making work to get your concepts out there and to realize like what you're actually trying to say so when i teach because i teach college kids i'm like don't worry about what you're trying to like say or do or whatever just make the pieces that you feel drawn to and then just roll with it like don't like, like, i have to make things about this and things about that like don't worry about it just make the pieces and then it'll sort uh, itself out something i actually bring up as a neil gaiman quote actually the author neil gaiman said that before you learn to sound like yourself you have to sound like a hell of a lot of other people oh yeah the it's just part of, of the process like lots of things yeah you, you're pulling things from other things like uh, you're pulling ideas and techniques from like other people that you're inspired by and that you like and you're trying to find your trying to find your voice or whatever but that's always going to change so like don't worry about being like this is me and this is what i do or whatever like things change so you have to adapt to that but um i would like people will get really bogged down by what do things mean and whatever i'm like mm -hmm. but if you're making like genuine work you're you're really focused on just making that you're making that work yeah and it's bringing something to life that in your mind it it, it has to be it has to exist, and nobody else yeah, is going to do it right, so you've got to do it. Yeah, yeah. There's no point in making things that aren't important to you. Like, if you're making art that, like, you're not passionate about, that you don't care about, like, no one else is going to fucking care about it. I mean, no one else is going to really care about it anyway, but, like, if you don't care, like, you're not going to get 
no one else is going to relate to it. Like people yeah. relate to things if you're being really genuine and you can't fake being genuine and you can't fake being vulnerable. Like you can't fake those things. Yeah. I mean, art is built from pain. It's where it's how we channel it as artists. We channel it into creating beauty in the world, beautiful things. And yeah, it comes letting, from these personal experiences. Yeah. You're letting people into your vulnerability through your art. So like, other people that see it, they can be like, oh, yeah, like, I, I, whatever, this is how I feel about whatever. So, like, obviously everyone's not going to like the same shit, but, like, you might as well make stuff that you're passionate about because if you're not going to make any money, you might as well not have a pile of things that you hate, so. You may as well have fun doing it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You might as well be like, well, I was real crazy for cutting out 8,000 pierced holes. That was dumb. <laughs> Zero out of ten reviews would not do that again. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> so for the listeners at home, um, and Ellen, you're welcome to join in on this if you want. Every month we have uh, what's called the Forgecast Challenge, um, where we try and get you to step out of your comfort zone as a blacksmith and uh, and do something a little different. Um, and this month's challenge to remind everyone listening is to take the mankiest offcut or scrap piece that you can find in your workshop, whether it's at the bottom of your quench tank or in under a pile of grinder dust on the floor, find something really obscure and turn it into a higher value item that is sellable just to prove to yourself that you can do it with anything. Any, you don't need fresh necessarily need fresh bars of steel you can do it from anything because the artist within you is able to do it so you'll get bonus points for how janky and obscure the piece was to start with uh, and extra bonus points if you do actually manage to sell it and show us proof and if you do compete in the forgecast challenge this month use the hashtag forgecast challenge or one word feel free to enter into that if you want ellen <laughs> people's moms are going to be buying the pieces like i sold my piece and mom's like i love it it's on my fridge <laughs> that's right yeah you can't sell it to a friend or your mom it's got <laughs> sell it to someone you don't know <laughs> yeah um i mean anybody that's ever watched um pablo Simadevilla on youtube he will take like a, a nut like a steel nut and turn it into the most stunning ring you've ever seen in your life um, and it's something, it's usually an old rusted thing that is has clearly been lying on the floor of some workshop. And we want to see you take something that other people or even yourself would look at as just unsavable scrap and turn it into something that somebody will treasure and, you know, keep and, and love and, and just absolutely fall head over heels for when they see it. Just to, just to prove to yourself that you can bring out the artist within yourself. We've got an amazing metalsmith artist here to inspire you to do that. So, do, you know, what would Ellen do? Think what would extra Ellen points do? if it's wearable. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Extra points. That's a, that's an extra extra thing. So, bonus points if it's really obscure piece off cut. Bonus points if you sell it and show us proof. <laughs> bonus extra points from Ellen if it's and she's going to be checking the Forgecast hashtag. Yeah. Um, to see if it's wearable or not. <laughs> so. Uh, we didn't have any questions from listeners this week, uh, kind of rare, but if you do want to send in a question about blacksmithing or bladesmithing, you can send it to ask.forgecast at gmail.com and check out the Forgecast on Instagram and Facebook. Ellen, thank you so much for coming onto the show this week. Absolute hoot to talk to you in here, You're the inside scoop of what's going me. on in that mind. <laughs> yeah. 
So where can people find you? Give us the full list of everything where, so that people can start tracking you down um, and following you Instagram, if they're not already. Yeah, Instagram at Iron Maiden Forge, my website, ellendurkin.com, or you can stalk me on Facebook at Ellen Durkin. Just don't send, like, extra weird, weird messages. So, uh... <laughs> <laughs> Just normal weird. Just normal weird. Yeah. Uh, yeah, just Iron Maiden Forge. If you have, like, a question, then just shoot me a DM. Awesome. And if you want to find my cohort, Sam, who is absent today, he goes by Sam Towns Bladesmith on all of the social medias. And if you want to find me, I go by Valhalla Ironworks. And I'm on Facebook and Instagram and YouTube and Patreon and everywhere. I'm like a bad smell. You can't get rid of me. <laughs> so thank you for listening, everyone. Thank you again, Ellen, for coming onto the show. And we'll see everybody for another episode next week. Until next time.